Love Talk Radio. again for we show Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. So glad if I have one more chance for key upliftment to the living legacy and pay ancestral homage. And this shall we the day that we go pay such ancestral homage. Gwine V for let Hunter Chillin. Yeti, just a leave it. But how plenty of we family and thing been a fight for a land and thing like that where other people ain't had for take this your same stand. But the other people have been to try for crack your teeth and tell we that it is the same way for them as it been for we. Tune into this show. At the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, 
Today, many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we are faced with, and this is the reality. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, we are coming to get our check. Now, many Gullagichis this time of year are going to holidays parties and dancing to a song called Check the Check. But this is not the same check that the Reverend, the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is speaking about as he talks about the land grants that were happening. And so here on Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, this is Queen Quet, Chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation. I'm not telling used to yetting me to crack my teeth like this year, but I wanted to make sure that we could plainly discuss something that is such a critical topic this time of year and truly each and every week when we come on to pay tribute to our ancestors. I wanted to dedicate this evening to our ancestors that all did go forth and purchase land here on these sea islands and in what's called the Carolina, Georgia, low country, and that held on to it, did all that they had to to improve it, to update it, upgrade it, uplift it in such a way that it would be worthy of passing down to their heirs. So we want to take a moment of silence for all of them to whom it was not granted, but yet much was expected. Ashe, 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 Amen. So this evening, as we go into the rest of the Holy Day season and we start to approach the anniversary of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which is the host and the producers and the sponsors of Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, which you can find the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition at www.gullahgeechee.net. That's G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E dot N-E-T at any time. And you can also email us at G-U-2 G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, gogeco at AOL.com. You can always become an active part of what is still going on in the Gullah Geechee Nation to keep our people on our land. As you just heard, the land was not given to us. As you may have heard, this whole discussion of 40 acres and a mule, and you can go back in the archives for Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio and hear the numerous broadcasts I've done on Ayers Property that educate you about special field order number 15. If you watch Gullah Geechee TV, you've heard me discuss special field order number 15. If you purchased the book, The Legacy of Evo Landing, Gullah Roots of African American Culture, if you haven't, you can go to gullahgeechee.biz, gullahgeechee.biz. And you can purchase a copy of this anthology. We discuss the special field order number 15 because it deals with the land that is the Gullah Geechee Nation. All the abandoned rice fields from Charleston southward to Ferndina, where the 40 acre plots were to be distributed to the quote Negroes and no white shall dwell herein, end quote. This whole area was to be divided up in 40 acre parcels all the way going from the Sea Islands inland by 30 miles to the St. John's River. The Gullah Geechee Nation extends from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. 
So that would help you to grasp that is slightly north of the boundaries of the 40-acre plot designation and special field order number 15, and then slightly north again of the end point is where, well, slightly, yes, yeah, slightly north of the end point of this is where Ferndina Beach is located because our extension goes down to Jacksonville, Florida, which is south of Fernandina Beach, where Yuli and Nassau Villa right there. You drive through them to get to Amelia Island, Fernandina Beach. And so when we start to talk about land this time of year, it's very significant because people get caught up and today in particular being Cyber Monday in the United States and people caught up in the Black Friday and so on. Well, you know, I would love for it to be a black day every day where people who were thinking about the ancestors who were of African ancestry thought about the blood, the sweat, and the tears that were in the land that their ancestors were enslaved on and thought about it not just in fleeting seconds or think that, oh, we don't deal with that until February, which is Black History Month in the United States. And I can tell you right now from having been in England again this year, and October it's not dealt with at all during October, but that is Black History Month in England. Here it is that you will say, well, why she wants to deal with it every day? Because every day if you live on this land, if you eat from this land, if you go out to the waterways, or in fact if you go to the restaurants anywhere throughout this region, you are reliant upon the food that is harvested from these waterways and from this land. And so I would want you to pay homage to those who cultivated this land while they themselves were considered property just as land was considered property, but yet not thought of as human being enough to have any property granted to them. But this time of year, you should have already received a tax bill in the mail if your ancestors had had the mother with anything like that to go forth and purchase land on the sea islands in the Carolina, Georgia, low country in this area that is now the Gullah Geechee Nation. You should already have in your possession what you will need to pay come January the 15th in most of the counties along this coast the same day Dr. Martin Luther King's Earth Day falls on, that you should have had to pay that bill in full or penalties will accrue and up until January 30th, and then there'll be, there'll be another set of penalties to accrue by the end of February and another set by the end of March and another set by the end of April. And this keeps going until penalties and fees are added all the way to August, and then if you still do not pay, your land is put on auction like our ancestors were, placed on auction blocks. And that happens as they call it share sale, share sale because this was done usually on the courthouse steps and the sheriff would stand there as people bid on this property auction each and every October. Then November, here comes the tax bill again. So here it is that I thought it not robbery. I thought it uh, very appropriate, apropos, to have mentioned this briefly last week when we've been at Key Tanks. But I thought in particular now that the bills are in hand, and I noticed that mine, although we fought last year for an appeal and it went down, it inched back up by another $150. 
in one year's time. Nothing's been built on the land. Nothing has been built next door to the land. Nobody knew it's moved in or anything. But somehow the county has still found another way to increase additional other fees and the mills and the things that they want you to pay for the school district and so on on the tax bill. So it has gone back up again. And these are the types of things that you have to pay close attention to. If you have personal property, such as a mobile home, you probably noticed a decrease or sustained tax bill at this point, no matter how old your mobile home is. You'll notice it'll go down and down and down, and it'll reach a point where it never gets to zero. You pray it does, but it never gets to zero. And they start sustaining it at a certain level, and that's because they're increasing the other things that they're taxing you on or charging you fees for that they say are what they need to run the county. Interestingly enough, when these types of laws and things were set up, African people were not the ones in position to vote for the most part for any of this stuff that now you're still dealing with in terms of how land is assessed, how it is used to tax people, and so on. And so because they feel that if you can own land, it's somewhat of a luxury, where to me it is a necessity. And so to Gullah Geechee's, it is necessary for us to understand the value of having land. But let's go backwards in time so that we can come forward for you to fully under and overstand this land that we are on. Now, from the 1670s, our ancestors were here in North America on these islands called the Sea Islands in the Atlantic Ocean and later getting further inland into what's now called the Low Country, going all the way up to St. John's River, and then many were forced to migrate to other places like Oklahoma and Mexico and down to the Bahamas and so on and so forth. Well, in the 18th, 16th century, rather, there were land grants that were happening in North America for the purpose of establishing settlements, missions, and farms, Okay. And so there were a number of these grants that went out to first all the different countries, like La Florida had Spain and Britain was, you know, grabbing land that's now the Carolinas and so on. And so you had the colonial law under which they said a patentee had to improve the land. That's why I mentioned improving it, upgrading it, uplifting it, sustaining it, making it such that it would be worthwhile for use. So their way to improve land at that point was planting and seeding the land. So every patentee, as they were called, was to cultivate one of land and build a small house on the property. Otherwise, the patent would go back to the government. So in other words, they'd get this paper they called the patent, very different than the patent for when you create an idea or concept, but this is more similar to a deed. You now will have this piece of paper that allows you to occupy this particular piece of land as long as you cultivate the land and you build a house on it. If you do not actually plant anything, you do not build a house, the government snatches it back, okay? 
plan. We have many different things that still kind of go on similarly where the government doesn't outright snatch it back, but they sure do through taxes because if your land is considered, quote, unimproved land to this day, that's the highest tax rate that you have throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation. In other words, if there's no house on it and it's not considered timber or agricultural property where you get certain tax breaks, then you also get a higher tax rate because they feel you are not improving the land. So you see, this is where these types of things come from. You might think, oh, well, if I buy a piece of land, just, you know, keep it and just don't put anything on it, that will be less taxes than if I put a house. Not necessarily, because depending on your age, you could end up with homestead exemption for the house rate. If you are a resident, you could also end up with your state discount and so on. That may actually cause you to pay a lower tax rate because you do have, quote, improved property, improved land, versus someone else who just let the land sit there and, as they say, grow up. So, Here it is. It started with the American Revolutionary War that veterans of that war who received land grants in lieu of other remuneration. In other words, they didn't get paid to fight. Like people are still talking about the military people who are their wives or the husbands, in some cases where the women are in the military, are actually receiving welfare, food stamps, other things, because they don't make enough money to fully take care of a family. They expect these soldiers, I guess, to be just soldiers, and that's all, and therefore they could live in the barracks and take their little pay and use it for different items, wherever they need, and Uncle Sam pay the rest. But if you decide that you want to have a family, they feel, well, you need to be financially fit to take care of them. Well, in the case of the Revolutionary War, they gave them land grants. Now they don't get that. And people complain that they use they get other government benefits. I don't see where the complaint should be. I think the government should have to take care of them and their families since they are more or less property of the government. You see? So that really shouldn't be a concern, but it is. So here it is. Let's go back, though. If you know your story, you're a little less destined to just repeat it, especially negative aspects. Well, between 1783 and 1821, Spain, okay, offered land grants to anyone who settled in Florida, La Florida, at that time. So here's where the Florida land granting starts coming in. And the colony was later transferred to what was then, you know, the overall U.S. now, we would call it, but it was the colonies at that point, meaning the British colonies. When it got transferred into that, there was a treaty that honored all of the valid land grants that had already been issued by Spain. And years of litigation ended up happening to see if there was validity to any of the Spanish land grants. So when we start talking about suing over land, things such as like heirs' property and going to court over it, you see that this has been something going on since the colonial times, all right, and even during our ancestors being enslaved. And I would be very intrigued to find out how many of our ancestors who ended up going down to Gracia Real de Santa Teresa de Mose might have ended up having to go to court to fight over their land grants that happened due to their service and their commitment to the Catholic Church down in La Florida. I would love to find out, and if anybody out there has any documentation already, please make sure to let us know at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. Again, send us an email to G-U-L-L-A-O-L dot com. And so 
we have a number of different land grants that kept on going, and then even during the 19th century, you had a number of land grants that were made to railroads. So because they felt that this is sort of similar to what today is called eminent domain, things that they feel are valuable to the overall general public, that they can come in and obtain land for that public use, well, there were a lot of land grants made for the development of the railroads, expansion of railroads as it continued to go on because this new form of transportation was considered an internal improvement. So the Land Grant Act of 1850 provided for 3.75 million acres, almost 4 million acres of land to the states to support railroad projects. And I've been a part of South Carolina Intermodal Transportation Committee, and one of the things that we even looked at was whether or not there were ways to take the old, abandoned, in many cases, railroad tracks and make those usable again so that we could have intermodal transportation within the state of South Carolina, not just have things like Amtrak, the silver bullet, just flying on down through here, you know, heading and making these stops as they go southward and then go westward but actually having an opportunity for our people that are right in South Carolina to get around without cars. So the critical thing that we've been looking at, but we've had a number of towns and county governments who simply pulled the tracks up, and they did that as part of what they considered improvement projects. They removed the tracks instead. But this is how this started to be used, and now people feel like maybe they should go back to having these trains because then it wouldn't be so many cars on the road, which wouldn't have so many emissions, which leads to a lot of the climate change issues that we see going on. So here it is that you had all of this setting the stage for a lot of subsidies for railroads at the early years because of the fact that it was considered an internal improvement and something for the public good. Now, four out of the five transcontinental railroads in the U.S. were built using land grants, okay? Now, the Morrill Land Grant Act of 1862 and 1890 provided for the establishment of land-grant colleges. Many of you saw when I went to Alcorn uh, College and you saw that I did an episode on Gullah Geechee TV. That is a land-grant college. There are numerous land-grant colleges we've spoken about here on this program so that people could get an understanding of land grants versus heirs property. And so, once again, you can go back in the archives of this show and learn more about that. In Georgia, colonial land grants dating from 1744 to 1759 were extracted from the colonial records of Georgia, and they can be found even online. So it's interesting to see a number of the names of the people who received early land grants and to see that there are names of some places that are towns, of course, still in Georgia that are part of it. Even the state capital of uh, South Carolina is one of the names of the people who obtained land. And then, of course, we have a number of different Gullah Geechee family names and also counties in Georgia that we have a lot of the names of that were part of the whole set of those who got land grants. Well, in South Carolina, 
there's also a lot of information about land and property, and it's tied to a number of different genealogical sites. But proprietary grants were the land grants that you hear about a lot in South Carolina, and South Carolina, of course, being the place that Gullah Geechee's first really pull our story back to due to Sullivan's Island being in Charleston County, South Carolina, and Sullivan's Island being the place where over 40% of all Africans enslaved in North America came through, and then Charlestown being the point of settlement, especially for the first enslavement auction block that became the number one one in North America So in 1670. So the Lord's proprietors, the British Lords Proprietors from 1670 to 1719 had a number of proprietary land titles, abstracts of titles, and registrations of land grants that are sometimes called memorials. The governors issued warrants and ordered plats and surveys, and a lot of those things have gotten lost over the years, you know, burned down, all these different wars and all of this. But you can find some of the records still in places like South Carolina Department of Archives and History, and now with more digitization of such material, you find it online. During 1719 to 1775, South Carolina was a royal colony, and grants were recorded by the Secretary of the Province, and the deeds were recorded separately by the public register. The land officers suspended their business in the 1720s, and so there's someone named Sir George Carteret, who many of y'all know Carteret Street in Beaufort. Well, he, Beaufort, South Carolina, he bought out most of the proprietor's lands in 1729. And then this portion was then later held by the Earl of Granville. All right, many of you in the Civil Rights Movement may have remembered Granville. And then it remained in prior, prior proprietary system until the Revolution, the American Revolution. And so then there was a discussion of this whole land system and land frauds and all this other stuff, which we are still dealing with land fraud, where many of those who are in the South who are of African descent lost their land after Reconstruction era when they had already obtained their land by deed. They got built out of it. We also know that there was a lot of land fraud in regard to having people sharecropped in the Deep South. And so people were told that if they raise a certain amount of cotton or harvest a certain amount of cotton off the land a year, they would pay on the books until they would own the property. And then, of course, there's always the shady dealers of the books, and the people had one store that was also the same people who were supposed to be paying the money to you from what you harvested, and you're getting food from them. So they'd always say your bill was never paid off. So you never got to the point of paying on land. So there's a lot of land fraud issues that we've seen throughout the history of the South, especially as it relates to people of African descent and land. So that term of a land fraud and these fights that they're talking about in the 1700s have carried on, and we still have people trying to commit fraud against their own family members today for five, ten thousand dollars. You have people coming from up north, coming south meet a few of the family members, especially the older family members, 
get to know them, talk fast, talk sweet, act like they're real intelligent, go ahead and tell them, you know, I'll go in and I can talk on behalf of the whole family and get everybody to sign something and we can make a bunch of money off this land that y'all just got his ears popping there, that land over there with them trees on it and everything. And people go for it and they let these people go down there and the next thing you know, you have counties doing deals or townships, like in the case of Hilton Head, this happened not long ago, um, that they do a deal with this individual as a representative of the family, and there are a number of heirs to that property who are unaware of who even this individual is, much less that this individual is going down there to actually represent them to get the land sold. They thought that they were going to be having an opportunity to benefit from the land while yet owning it as joint heirs or joint tenants in common. And instead, they ended up being displaced and all their mobile homes removed because it was not considered improving the land value. It was now considered something of an eyesore and that it would deter from land value increases. So when we start off talking about harvesting and growing and seeding land and then building small houses on it being an improvement, People do not consider bringing mobile homes because, as I said, it's not real estate. That's personal property. It can be moved in and out at any time. It depreciates in value over time, hence why your taxes on it will also go down over the years and your land tax generally won't uh, for the most part. You have a situation where that is the reason now that people who build homes, as we say stick-built homes, buildings that are fully attached to the land, often don't want a lot of mobile homes near their houses they're building because then their land value does not increase the way it would when other homes that are in the hundreds of thousand dollar to multi-million dollar price ranges are built there as well. So these are some of the things that we need to look at when we talk about what is going on with land in the Gullah Geechee Nation and truly the Yeti were going on from the land and things like that. And so in 1729, when South Carolina was officially separated from North Carolina, uh, you had North Carolina granted some land to South Carolina. And so North Carolina counties of Anson, Lincoln, Mecklenburg, Rutherford, and Tyson have records that pertain to South Carolina residents. If any of y'all are listening, y'all might want to check on that. And in general, for South Carolina, you can go to Columbia. You can also go to the Charleston Records Office, and you can find a lot of different records about the grants that happened in South Carolina because the royal grants issued for 1731 to 1775 that deal with Colleton, Craven, Berkeley, and Granville, those are in Columbia at South Carolina Department of Archives and History. And things that, of course, pertain to Charleston County are right there in Charleston. And you may find some duplication also up in Columbia. And so the in 1741, anyone that received land in South Carolina after 1719 had to deliver memorials to the Auditor General stating the county, the parish, the location, the quantity, the names of the adjacent landowners, the boundaries, and how the present title was received. Now, that should sound familiar. 
if you've ever gone looking up your land, your family's land, your plat will have all that kind of stuff, your boundaries on it and everything. Your deed will normally name the owners and where the land is located and who, where it's bounded by. If it's bounded by a creek on the north side, the south side, or, you know, to the east or the west or by forest or by someone else's name, they will have all of those things. And you will find that your deed and your plats are down at your county offices. So whether you're in South Carolina or Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, that's where you need to go and look. The same folks that send you your tax bill this time of year are the folks that hold on to what they were calling memorials back then, what we call plats and deeds today. And so there's various forms of deeds. There's warranty deeds. There's quit claim deeds. There's all kinds of different deeds that are out there. And if you want to learn a bit more, I still, again, recommend to you the book, Heirs Property in the African-American Community, written by Attorney Horace Jones and the forward by Attorney Willie Haywood of the Heirs Property Law Center. And you can always contact the Heirs Property Law Center at www.heirspropertylawcenter.com. And please let them know you heard about them from listening to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. You can purchase the book, Heirs Property in the Gullah Geechee, I mean, in the African-American community online. And for all of you who are here tonight taking a break, listening to me while you participate in Cyber Monday, please go on to Amazon Smile and make sure the Gullah Geechee Angel Network, which is our official 501c3 of the Gullah Geechee Nation, is the charity that whenever you purchase from Amazon, doesn't matter what you're purchasing or how much it costs, if you purchase from Amazon, then Amazon will give some money to the Gullah Geechee Angel Network. So if you go to Amazon Smile and then enter the Gullah Geechee Angel Network as a charity, every single time you shop, make sure you shop through Amazon Smile and not through just Amazon.com. If you're going to do something, let's make it worth our while because the Angel Network is fighting to keep hold of land, to improve land, to restore buildings, and so on in Charleston, same place we were just talking about, in Charleston County and Berkeley County, and so that there are institutions wherein our people can come to and learn more about who we be and things like that, and you know, say we be Gullah Geechee United people. Well, it's interesting because not only do we have the Gullah Geechee Angel Network here in the Carolinas, we also have the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Committee of Northeast Florida, and also a great deal of work has been done in conjunction with the uh, Mount Olive Historical Society in Nassauville, Florida, right there where I mentioned earlier, Fernandina Beach area, right next door. you got to drive by, drive through to get to the beach on Amelia Island. They have been doing a great deal of work not only to help people under and understand how to hold upon the land, but also to make sure there's maintenance and restoration of a number of Gullah Geechee-owned properties from churches to, to Houses. Now, we had a loss in Old Town Fernandina of a house because the family had waited so long 
before trying to do restoration efforts that the town came in and then essentially fined them and only gave them a limited amount of time to fully restore the building or they would have to get rid of the building. And because they did not have enough money, they felt like they would probably have to sell the building, which was a whole ploy in the first place because the people that had them uh, to turn them in, so to speak, about it, really wanted to obtain the building anyway so that they could own it and live there not far from where the original oyster factories where our people lived and started to build up their own community right there in Old Town from all these generations after the land grants were over with. But during Reconstruction in the early 1900s, a number of Gullah Geechis left out of Georgia and ended up there in the ports of Fernandina in Old Town and worked those ports and worked as seaward people, fishermen, fishing families, actually making nets and so on to work there in the waterways. And so as you see with the Gullah Geechee Fishing Association, many of the folks that are part of it were from that area. We lost one of our folks that was critical in helping us to understand what was going on in the Florida waterways was Reverend Richard, God bless the dead. We lost him this year, so to speak. He crossed over into the realm of the ancestors not long ago. And so he was critical in helping us to know a lot more about the history and traditions of fishing and working the docks there. And we've had him featured on Gullah Geechee TV as well. And so there will be a lot more that will be coming up in the new year with some things to educate people about what is going on with even our waterways and these ports and what they're now calling living waterfronts. Um, now that people want to, again, get back into restoring areas along the water and preventing destruction from building into every stitch of marsh line along the intercoastal waterway. Now we have a number of grants going on. we back to that word, dealing with living waterfronts and so on because they want to make them active places where people actually do harvest seafood, not just places where you go to a seafood restaurant and little gift shops and sit along the water, but actually can see people that work the waterways. And we pray that they will never turn into simply anglers being out there, but true Gullah Geechee fishing families that are out there once again. And so that is some of the work that the Gullah Geechee Fishing Association, and you can find us at net net, and you can also find us on Facebook, okay? The Gullah Geechee Fishing Association can be found on Facebook. We've been working to make sure that things are passed on to the next generation so that they will be a part of these living waterfronts and the living traditions because it is from the waterways that many people were able to make money even during the transatlantic slave trade, even during chattel enslavement of our elders and ancestors that have been here during that time. We had many people that worked the waterways, and that is how they had the money to be able to purchase land during 1862 where there were a number of different auctions. We're back to that term again, but this time not of people but of land throughout this region. And so most Gullah Geechee families that live in family compounds today 
have deeds that date back to the 1800s, 1861, 1862, 1863, and then further into Reconstruction. And so people would say, well, how did they have the money? Well, many times they were saving money while they themselves were rented out or while they went out into the waterways, while they raised certain types of livestock and exchanged it with the people who had been enslaving them that had cash, and they would get the pennies, the nickels, the dimes, as we would say today, and they would save those because they were trying to get to the point where they had enough to buy themselves out of bondage. But when Big Shoot was starting things like that, and it been going on for all these years, they needed again. So they needed to use the money they saved to buy themselves out once the Civil War had began. Instead, they could now use that money at the auctions purchase the very lands on which they had previously been enslaved, begin to improve those lands, begin to seed those lands, begin to build houses on those lands, and thereby have something that they could grant, bequeath to their future heirs, which are many of us today. And so that's why, once again, this time of year, now that you've received the tax bill for your family land or some other cousin or relative is the one that receives that tax bill, I encourage you that instead of buying something else for somebody to put in their house or somebody to just eat or drink this season as a gift, why not give somebody a ready-paid tax bill? Give them the receipt that you went down to the county or you went online and you found their tax bill and you paid it already. Why not give them something that would last for generations to come? It would be a gift that you're not only giving them today, but it would be a gift that you're giving to future generations. It would not be uh, you going for a check that has no value like the chair king of those went to D.C. for, that we still never got, that still never was cashed, that they had no value, but actually put forth a check that does not bounce but pays off that debt so that this bill is covered and people can then use their other money to continue to improve the land, to grow food from the land, which can now benefit themselves and the community. And that becomes the health benefit. And so... One of the other places that's here in our community, in the Gullah Geechee Nation, that is Gullah Geechee owned, where you all often see us doing that, growing our own food on the land, is the Gullah Geechee Garden here at the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition Center on St. Helena Island. We have land on Palawan Island that will be turning into an herbal uh, walking trail over the next year or two before the 20th anniversary of the coalition which we are rapidly approaching and because the coalition was started in 1996. And so here it is that you often see us posting pictures. You see us out there harvesting food. If you come for Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month in March, you see that the roads are usually neatly out there. If you return sometime in the summer, you eat food in the Gullah Geechee Garden, and we let you know that's food that's been harvested here. If you ate anything from a jar at the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival, if you purchased the one there, then you know that that was food that was grown here on St. Helena Island. If many of you go to another number of supermarkets around the country now due to this uh, Grow Local movement and this Carolina Grow Foods effort 
much of our food that's harvested is ending up in the national food supply chain by going out through these supermarkets as well. But we need to make sure that we have some economic empowerment and we have some engagement within this process right here within our own Gullah Geechee family compounds in our communities. And one such place that's doing that is Geechee Kunda. Last week you heard me announce that there would be the sugar cane harvest that would go on, which is an annual event that happens the Saturday after Thanksgiving at Geechee Kunda in Riceboro. And coming up we are going to be having the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival at Geechee Kunda next August. You can already go to www.gullahgeechee.info, gullahgeechee.info. All right, to learn more about it and so that you will know exactly what is going on during the time frame that we're going to be there. And there will be more and more information going on there in 2015 onto the website, which you can plan now. It's the first Saturday in August. And prior to that, and many of you who watch Gullah Geechee TV or Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fans, you were able to see the re-airing of when we were there back in April to the annual gathering that happens at Geechee Kunda. And there, Kunda stands for compound. So this Gullah Geechee compound that exists in Riceboro, Georgia, this place is a living institution. So therefore, there is a museum. There are classrooms for workshops. There's now a praise house which should be up and right in the right spot and operating when we get there for the festival. There will be a new amphitheater, a new kitchen. It continues to expand. But last weekend, we got to see the sugarcane harvest and sugarcane actually processed because they have the devices there so that you can see how you start off with the sugarcane juice. You go from the sugarcane juice to then having your syrup. And many of you see that we sell the Geechee syrup. You go from the syrup to molasses, and if you continue on, you go to having full sugar. And so this is something that was a tradition, and this is a tradition that's still going on. So I got me several uh, drinks of sugarcane juice and brought some home on last Saturday as well. Still have a couple of small bottles in the fridge, and I will throughout my annual break coming up shortly. I'm looking forward to it. I will also be making me some fried bread and things like that if I have with the syrup. You understand? And so definitely it is a blessing to not only be able to share with you about our story or his story and land grants in the past and the lack thereof pertaining to people of African descent, but to be able to share with you what we were able to do in spite of what others did to us. The exclusion of people of African descent from obtaining land grants caused more inclusion in people working their land themselves. The way that they had worked the land for mass of them, they recognized they needed to work it for themselves. They realized where the markets were for various things, and they took their things to market. They made money, and they also took things back home that they could use, as in the case of the sugar and the case of grits and the case of so many other items that are still a part of our Gullah Geechee lifestyle here. During our Heritage Day celebration on St. Helena every year, people leave out of there with the armloads of sugarcane that's harvested right here on St. Helena Island. But they don't leave with syrup and sugar because 
we have not been processing it here. They no longer leave with grist because the grist mill that the Gardner family had, they decided to let it go and then decided not to build them down as opposed to going ahead and restoring it. So once again, you have situations where things could be granted to heirs and the heirs not value the same thing as those before them valued, and they have different interests. And much of that interest has gone into, unfortunately, many Gullah Geechee families losing the very land that an ancestor and elders worked so hard for and put their blood, sweat, and tears into. And so that's why I am encouraging you, I'm imploring you, I'm challenging you. Don't let it happen. Continue to let the tax rolls get lower. Continue to get the tax auction roll, that is, lower. Let the pages of the newspaper be less. Kill less trees each and every October in the Gullah Geechee Nation. Let less and less of our surnames and family names show up in that paper talking about you still owe for taxes. Let's support one another at these fish fries and dinners being sold at the house and when we're putting out things for the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour so that we have a fund where we can pay land from that fund, where we can assist members of communities and families and organizations and institutions to be able to help maintain the ownership of their land by having the money available for the taxes to be paid, by having the money available so that educational workshops can continue in the community so that people know what things they can do on their land that will benefit themselves economically so that they can sustain not only the land and the land value, but sustain their land ownership, maintain their land ownership, maintain their land, whether that is having agriculture on the land, whether that's timber land that they want to do, and I don't mean the rapper, and whether that is having a house or an institution on the land. These are critical things that we need to under and overstand so that we can leave a living example for the next generation to whom this will be granted. So we have the opportunity this time to grant. We can leave our children, our heirs, the patentees this time, and we can leave them some charges in our wills and so on to say this is what we need you to do or in our LLCs, our family LLCs, our community LLCs, our community land trusts so that we can leave certain things to say. These are the things we need you to maintain, and we need you to continue educational, culturally-based education, Gullah Geechee culturally-based education done by Native Gullah Geechees on the property so that others will continue the tradition and not go to books that are written by outside people misinterpreting our cultural tradition and then try to use those as a basis for how you ought to live on the land from some people who've only stood off with a camera somewhere almost in the bush like they're on safari watching you do what you do and never asking you how you do what you do or why you do it or how did you learn this. And so it's critical that we under and overstand our story and so that we, if we know it, we can teach it, we can pass it on, but more than that, that we can live it and that we can stay right here 
upon the land and things like that. And so I definitely want to thank the guests that have been here in the chat room tonight. And I know that there are many of my listeners that you all listen in while we are on the air, you call in or you listen via Facebook and various things. We said thank you, thank you to Hunter Chillin and so on. And so I see that I have somebody at 615 that you've been holding. We're going to come to you in a minute, 615, but we want to open up the phone lines in these last few minutes that we have. That's 347-324-3903. 347-324-3903. Three nine zero three. So if you have a question or comment regarding Gullah Geechee land, please go ahead and give me a call, 347-324-3903, come alive, 615, come alive. I'm knocking on your door. Good evening. How hundred to do? Good evening. All right, guess 615, just wanted to listen in, didn't actually have a question or comment. And so we definitely appreciate all of you who have been participating and supporting the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour over, as the song said, it ain't over, it ain't over. And so it continues on in 2015. We have a number of places that have already booked us for February. I have very few dates left in February. So if you are interested in trying to have myself and the Gullah Connection come to you sometime in 2015, I definitely implore you to tonight go to www.queenquet.com. You can click the booking link, send an email into the office, and tell us the exact date, what kind of event you're looking for, and so on. And then my assistants will get back to you about what the budget is that's needed for the type of presentation that you'd like to have done. If you want to do a fundraiser to help with the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, please make sure to email the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. If you simply like to make a donation, you can do that by also emailing the coalition. You can also go online to Facebook. Gullah Geechee Nation on Facebook or the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition on Facebook, you'll see a gold give box on the page. It's on the left side on one of the pages. It's on the top on the other one. It says give. Click there. You can make a donation. If you are coming out to our Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition anniversary function and celebration, you can bring the donation with you to watch night. Gullah Geechee Freedom Come, a brand-new history musical presentation. The Gullah Connection will be in, and we are featuring Day Clean the African Spirit. That will take place at Historic Penn Center on St. Helena Island Saturday, December the 20th. 4 p.m. sharp, the show begins. The doors will open at 3.30, and the show begins at 4 p.m. And this will celebrate the history of watch night tradition. And so we definitely want you to come out. There will be Gullah Geechee crafts and food on sale. We have a number of different items that if you're still in the business of shopping then for the Holy Day season, that you'll be able to make purchases that day for gifts for people that are things that were made by Gullah Geechee's right here. And so that, again, supports with the Gullah Geechee Nation's economy. And you can purchase tickets online to watch night, $10 in advance, $15 at the door. And this is a fundraiser for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition and the Heritage Day Celebration at Penn Center, which is a nonprofit historical institution. So you can go to Eventbrite and look up the Watch Night event, 
or you can go to Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook fan page, and on the left and on the page itself, you will see where the Watch Night event information is, and you can click the links from there, and you can also email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E. C-O at AOL.com. There are a number of cast members in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina that have tickets. We can connect you with them if you want them folks to say, well, I don't want to use no credit card or nothing online, but I'll give somebody the money, you know, and you want to have your tickets in hand ahead of the show and not pay that extra $5, you can definitely connect with us and get the details and the information that way. We're looking forward to having a shouting good time and things like that as we mount this new production, Watch Night, Gullah Geechee Freedom, come. And if anyone saw Watch Night in Sumter at the Opera House many years ago, this is not the same production. That's why this one's called Freedom Come. And so this is a new production, so we definitely look forward to you coming out, joining in, singing along, and being part of the celebration because Watch Night is also critical in terms of our story and what came about that caused Gullah Geechee's to still own our land and to have our family compounds and places that our bush arbors, our brush arbors, our praise houses, and then the land later for our churches where we still go for the real watch night and things like that. And what other rest of chilling the cracky tea call of New Year's Eve. And so we definitely want you to be there. We're going to have some of that good old watch night food that will be on sale that day. And so bring out this for the entire family of all ages. So come out and join me and things like that for that. And so also you'll see at that event right link if you want to make a donation to our Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, you want to make a donation to Penn Center Heritage Days or you want to become a member of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, even if you can't attend the production, you can do all that at that link for Watch Night, Gullah Geechee Freedom Come. And again, if you can't find it, you ain't sure, you ain't that computer savvy, you did real good just to find me on the air tonight by your computer, just email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, and we will get all the information to you. But again, I encourage you. I implore you, I challenge you, use the money you have to help somebody keep Gullah Geechee land and the Sea Islands on the low country in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And that will help we for keep not the only thing like this shall read your station or going on and thing like that, but help the culture for dear, for many more as and as and as and things like that, for come here or So we're so glad that our ancestors had the vision they had wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of what land could do for people, and that even though others didn't include them when they were granting it to their own, that they decided they would obtain it, they would work hard, they would pay for it, they would improve it, and they would grant it to their heirs. And I am so blessed to be one of those people that both sides of my family left land to me and that we still have it, we still live on it, we still grow food on it, we do all of these things. So when I telling you why to tell you, I ain't tell her to dry long so or tell her something that I ain't supposed to know. But I can tell you because I live this. This ain't why I think. This why I know for true. And honey, chillin', bless up your chillin', and show them what honey can do. When you leave them something for hold on to, you'd be surprised how much you encourage them but pass something on to the next one coming behind them, too. So God bless you and on the family. This is the Queen Quet, head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation.
so glad that Hunter Chillin tune in one more again to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. Peace and blessings. Yeah.